Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. Following up after Notre Dame's 38-18 win at Michigan State, we've got a full booth today. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson. Um, much like Brian Kelly on Saturday night, Tim O'Malley spent his evening dancing, perhaps awkwardly even. Um, <laughs> so we're all back together again. One big happy podcast. And uh, O'Malley, I'll start with you since it's been a bit here. You You watch the game sort of removed so yeah. i'm assuming you did not watch it live at the reception did not but it was um there was, were was some, it on tv well no there was not but there were there's a small contingent with the fox sports app on the phones oh, okay. and i was able to get a hold of that without anybody yeah. noticing in yeah. my wedding party people with me <laughs> and occasionally so i was able to monitor but no the the uh i got a hold of a download copy for the flight home which was great um because i was able to watch it more in detail it is different knowing what's going to happen uh you're not quite as surprised by sean crawford making <laughs> Just making a Sean Crawford play. What was surprising about that? Yeah, there was. I mean, I see it. It's basically, oh, so that was that's August on Saturdays. Yeah. That's Sean Crawford. I'm writing about him in the musings a little bit because he's played five and a half games, three picks, two fumble recoveries, a fumble forced at the goal line, a uh, two point conversion return of 80 yards to tie a game late, five passes defended. It's a season for uh, an honorable mention all conference quarter. No, it was the way they won the game. Uh, the way they played it is. That's what I wanted to see from Notre Dame in September. Uh, this is the best version of them, and it doesn't matter if Michigan State's a six and six team or a or an eight and four team. That's how you go into a enemy arena that is completely ready for you and just put it on them in every phase. Because as Jack said beforehand, thirty eight points, the you know, there's an interception, touchdown. That's what good teams do. They don't fight for every score. Alabama goes out and scores on interception, touchdowns, and punt return touchdowns weekly. It makes it easier on you, and Notre Dame now has a complement with that defense. I think it has the potential to be a demarcation game for for this program right now. As as we sit here, I, you know the physicality, the depth, the conditioning. When you see Sam Mustafer leading, you know is uh, pulling from his center position midway through the fourth quarter and looking as fresh as he did in the first quarter. I mean, it was just a it was a complete football game by Notre Dame. Now, I know they gave up 234 yards in the last 18 minutes, almost half of what Michigan State got. But at that point, it was 35-10. to 10. And, you know, we've said that before, and they've allowed a couple touchdowns. With those 234 yards, Michigan State scored just once during that time. They had the 19-play drive. Notre Dame held them on downs inside the, the or at the six-yard line. Which is another thing you don't do often in the fourth quarter when you exactly. have a game in hand. That's... Yeah, exactly. And I think that speaks to the depth, the way Mike Elko has used it. 
the the preparation and design of the pick six by Julian Love, the preparation and design of of Sean Crawford's fumble caused and recovered. I, I I don't know who was at me or who was with me at the coach's clinic in the spring, but Mike Elko broke down how they cause fumbles, and that was a textbook cause fumble by Sean Crawford, who is one of the most astute football players that you're ever going to be around. So I, I think it was just a complete performance. I could go, you know, the design of the offense that, that Pete outlined leading up to the game, uh, what they did with Brandon Wimbush and giving him some quick step throws, how they took advantage of Chase Claypool early, which allowed for St. Brown to get deep when they blitzed the corner and it was man-to-man on a safety, which is there's no way you're going to cover St. Brown. Top to bottom, an outstanding performance by Notre Dame. You know, it was interesting sort of crowdsourcing an opinion on this. Like, the best or most impressive, slightly surprising performance by Notre Dame since what? Since, I think, at Michigan State, 2012. Yeah. Unless you throw in Oklahoma, but we probably should have believed a little bit more in Notre Dame at that point than we did. And it was most similar to the Michigan State game yeah. in 2012, even though Oklahoma came after that. Um, you know, I think on a surprise level... Uh, Music City Bowl was more surprising. Yes, I did not think of that. Um, yeah, and then other than that, like Georgia Tech was good, but it was at home. Um, and that one just kind of turned out to be... Which this one could too. It could too, but they, they were kind of a mess. Michigan State won't be a total mess. I mean, I think they're on their way back up from being bad. You know, I, I think Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. they're on their way back up from 3-9. and nine. It's different though when like Georgia Tech was on its way down to 3-9. and yeah. nine. Like Notre Dame last year was on right. its way to the bad. I think any time you... Regardless, I mean, a Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State coach team is going to be physical. They're going to battle to the end, which is exactly what they did, why they gained the yards that they did down the stretch. But we, I think as, as a whole, we as a society are too flippant with the outcome of certain games. You know, it's like, ah, that was just this or that was just that. This is Michigan State football coached by Mark D'Antonio and Notre Dame beat the crap out of them, basically. Um, yeah, we'd have a different tone if Notre Dame won that game twenty to nineteen, sure, and came back and found a way. That's you don't. That's not finding a way. That's just going in and doing even more than you're supposed to do. That's what a contending at, team does at Michigan State right. at night in extreme heat and humidity, which, favored by right. three and a half, which right. it comes down to. I mean, they just they played a very good game. The notion that I mean, Notre Dame was a better football team going in. We knew that. It's nice to be able to evaluate a Notre Dame team leading up to a game and say, you know what, they're better here, here, and here. This is what's going to happen in the game, and then it happens. Because it doesn't, usually. Usually, yeah. that's what I'm yeah. saying. It was so It's so refreshing to be able to now, it's like, why are your picks so bad? Well, when they're 16 and 16, we don't know which way they're going to go. This, you know, I felt like I, I, was, a little, I was reluctant to pick it by more than seven, which was a cover of the sp- uh, spread. But I also said I thought Notre Dame could win by 10 to 14 points. So when you evaluated it leading into the game, um, it came to fruition in the game. I have to admit, when I heard it was 14 nothing and Michigan State scored, I thought, I kind of hope Notre Dame doesn't get this tied up. Now, I don't think it would have mattered if they would have won anyway, handily. Mm-hmm. But I remember kind of hearing the score, seeing one of the touchdowns, and thinking... Sometimes when it's 14-7 and it's a road game, the team has momentum. It's very important. You've that pointed you, that out that in the you, past. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's very important that Notre Dame sees the game. Right. And that's that's what good teams well, that's do what, when they season. When, when Crawford, you, Crawford causes the fumble and then you score five plays 80 yards later, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a 14-point yeah. swing. And, you know, I mean, instead of being a seven-point game, it's now a 21-point game. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what the stadium was like if uh, Holmes or Scott had scored Scott, there. Yeah. Um, because then there would have been some real game pressure on Notre Dame for the first time um, that night, I think. And 
maybe they would have reacted differently. I don't, I don't know. But I was a huge fan of what Notre Dame tried to do in the passing game, both in terms of how much they had Wimbush throw and the passes they had him throw. Uh, we talked about it on our podcast, I think, on Thursday that I wanted to see him throw 25 times or less. He threw 20. And I wanted to see him throw predominantly really short and very long. And that was pretty much the entire game plan. Um, you Did you think that was going passes. to be the game plan coming into the season? Uh, yeah. I, I really felt that would be. You know, I, I mean, there must, Brandon Wimbush must have proven to the coaching staff that he could throw on the run and make some of those throws sure. during pre- sure. in the spring and in, in preseason. But it didn't come to fruition. And, and my point about that is that, okay, now that you've taken this next step, you can start reintroducing some aspects of that that offense if you want, but it was important that, yeah, I, no. yeah, no, 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 I mean, I, I'm saying, no. you know, a play here, a play there. I, it was really important the short step, get the football out of your hands, put the football in the in your playmaker's hands. Claypool had a, a not only really good game catching the football, but downfield blocking. Confidence booster for him, I think, for going forward. I think he will. I, I think I think this game is empowering for a lot of players yeah. on this football team, including Dexter Williams, including Deion McIntosh. I don't know how many opportunities he'll get once Tony Jones comes back, but I think it was a very empowering game for a lot of individuals on the Notre Dame team. I think with Wimbush and the accuracy stuff, I I am hesitant to be like, oh, everything's fine. Uh, He's accurate. You guys are a bunch of idiots uh, for making a big deal out of this because, I mean, you look at the intermediate passes he threw. I had him finishing four of six for 48 yards and a touchdown. That includes the lob to Jerem Smythe, which was way high. Uh, He's going to get Smythe. Could have got That's a pass Smythe. that he puts too much air under. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Smythe caught it at like 19 yards, and it was a 21-yard gain, yeah. so I counted that as an intermediate route. Uh, you had him worm burning one to St. Brown, which I think St. Brown caught. Um, Near the goal sort of, line, kind of. No, the little turnout uh, route on a third and five that he slid and caught. I don't know where else he can. Yard yeah, I don't know pass. where else he can um, throw that. But I, I mean, he I, almost he almost got picked along the sideline. That was a bad uh, throw. You had the Dexter Williams, which was creative. I thought the touchdown, the eight yard touchdown. Um, that was that was a nice throw. Put it in a in a tight spot he, while moving, which is not something he did. Right. Well, at Boston College, he did a great job on that. Where he looked back to the middle, presented the threat of running, and then went to the third yeah. option of throwing. It's throwing interesting to watch, watching that play. Like he could have dumped it to Williams immediately, earlier, yeah, like uh, right at the play because that linebacker was completely out of position. Right. Then Williams probably would have walked up right. and touched. Well, it's an evolution. Just, it's not going to. Ha- it's not. You know, he's not going to go mm. from BC to. You know, I mean, Tom Brady in a week. It's it's a it's a process. What do you say? It's, no, it's just, never a straight yeah, line, and I think that. I would just, I would keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, um, throw a ton short and take a couple shots deep. He was two of two for sixty-seven yards deep to St. Brown and Claypool. Which, I mean, I think for the rest of the season, I had it. I had him on deep passes at five of fifteen. So I mean, that you're not going to hit those every week. Yeah, um, but they they put him. There were advantageous throws. I like the decision to throw deep when he did. And he, and he, I mean, he tweaked his mechanics. I think I said to you in pregame, it looks like he's tighter and coming over the top now with his throws. There was a concerted effort not to be loose with his throwing motion, which Brian Lewerke has a very loose throwing motion, but he's accurate with it. And that's not that's not who Brandon Wimbush is. So, I mean, top to bottom, coaching, I gave coaching an A. After watching the game, it probably should have been an A+, because there's a, a tremendous – a tremendous job by the Northern coaching staff. You know, I don't think he will have another inaccurate day like BC when they run well. That's the best thing I can say for Wimbush. When they're running well and he, they can dictate how they want to throw, he missed BC throws that I don't yeah. think that's going to be a problem. Was, I think when he has, when he's pressured, 
maybe NC State or USC athletes that make you make throws that aren't just you right. being an athlete, then he could be a little angry. He was back in control of the situation, yeah. which is the Brandon Wimbush that we expected all along, but you're making your first couple starts and you're on the road to Boston College. And Boston College, I mean, Brian Kelly commented about their man coverage and it wasn't something that they had had faced a heavy amount uh, up to that point. But, um, you know, nice job by the staff and certainly a great job by Wimbush making the adjustments. One thing I really liked about their offense is the fact that they settled on a group of receivers. Um it's just the Brian Kelly used the term influx two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And I think influx had meant for, was basically a code for, uh, we don't know. <laughs> and I think they knew on Saturday night it was Cam Smith in the slot and then Claypool and St. Brown outside. And it it looked good, especially if Cam Smith can block as well as he yeah, did. Yeah, um, I mean, we've seen some stack formations where Chris Fink is the blocker. It doesn't make any sense. Um, For Claypool, too. Yeah, it didn't make any sense when Freddie Canteen was trying to do it. Um, Cam Smith is by far the most capable slot receiver they have for the functionality offense. And there's going to come a time you watch these plays where they run these sort of combination route concepts on the outside. The guy that's blocking isn't going to throw a block and he's going to slip deep and be wide open. Um, that's going to happen at some point this season. So I, I just like that regularity of what they were throwing out there. And I think I had um, basically on 80% of Wimbush's pass plays, those were the three guys out there. And the ones that weren't were at the end of the game when yeah. the game was already decided. I also want to comment on the defense and what they've done in the first four games going through each game. You know that they have not given up more than one score in a quarter. They have not given up back-to-back scoring drives, and there's only been one where there was just a, you know, you had score, hold, score. That only happened once, and that was in the Temple game. So, you know, I mean, it's not by design per se, but they are spreading out the opponent's scoring, and that gives your offense time to, you know, if you're struggling at times to put drives together together consistently, your defense is not giving up back-to-back scores so that, you create this tremendous sense of urgency to have to score. Anything else? It's just strange to see a team handle its business like that. <laughs> no, it, really. Despite it happening every week elsewhere. Yeah, it, no, well, it's, a, it, it's not, though. I, I think it's really <clears throat> impressive in a rivalry game. I know Michigan State won't be better than six wins this year or whatever, or six. they won't win more than four or five power five games. It, it it's was a, a good di- job. It was it's a, a different coach yeah. team. It's not. It's not. The- they were a well coached team. It's the first thing I'm writing in the musings. Is you know what was different about that? And this is not a shot at all. They were exceptionally well coached in that yeah. game all the way through. I felt that way watching it. I mean, yeah. you had it in your report card. There was only one A given out, and it was to coach right, it. and it was totally deserved. It was. Yeah. I mean, no, nothing stood. None. None of those aspects really stood. I thought the kick return was the best it's been. I mean, you can. Yeah. I, I when when I went through this game, if you read the tale of tape, there's just there's so many positives that came out of this game. They overwhelmed Temple and Boston College. You wouldn't say they coached the game great. Right. You might be indifferent on the Temple one. They just played exceptionally competitively hard against Georgia in a really tough football well, game. Well, could they have made some in-game adjustments oh. offensively against Georgia no, that they, would have led them to victory? Been, Probably. It wasn't the reason they lost, but I think it was not a great coaching job against right. Georgia. I think there was plenty of things you could do differently, like Wimbush throwing 40 passes. Yeah, they they, they, they they didn't adjust. It took them. This they had great. to regroup to do it, and, and you know, therefore they might be 4-0 had they made some of those in-game adjustments. You can't do anything about that. They're 3-1. Right, because Georgia made the adjustments. That's why you have to give them credit. It's the way it works. But it's one point loss. And here's one thing to before we close this segment. I know we have to go. The fact that Georgia 
looks like one of the top 10 teams or 12 teams in the country and is rated as such. I know rankings don't matter. How could you not have Notre Dame as a top 25 team? Behind Florida State? point to Georgia, <clears throat> and Georgia has since looked excellent. Be- behind I mean, they're all. ranked in the AP poll, though. So they're 22nd. Yeah. Overall, I don't care, though. No, it doesn't matter at this point. It but doesn't matter. It just, I... it just shows that no one puts any effort into it. Right. Yeah, there's no question. All right, speaking of no effort, uh, we've got questions for our reader next on Irish Show's Facebook Times. That's a joke. <laughs> we'll get to all you fun people next. <laughs> Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, Burning Up the Boards. Our first question comes from Wash ND. With what you have seen so far, is this still an eight-win team, or could this team challenge for ten? Well, I predict, predicted nine, so I'm going to take offense to the question. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, they would challenge for it. The problem is there's already lost, so you're looking at uh, that's a strong finish. You still have to win in North Carolina, Miami, and, and Stanford. And, and beat USC. So and beat USC. It, probably and be more NC on, State. So they'd probably Navy. be more on track for nine than ten. Wouldn't you say? Would you say they're more on track than nine I, and eight? Since you, you know what I mean. You yeah, I, I mean, I, I picked eight and four. They're, I, they're definitely more on track for nine and three right now. They're more on uh, track for nine and three than ten. I don't, and two. I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead. They just played a really, really good game, and you know, let's see if they can keep it together. I think there's going to be a lot of emotion uh, expended against three, um, you know, physical football teams the last three weeks in Miami of Ohio. Chuck Martin said today that this team's too stupid to know any better. They'll come in and expect to win and play hard. So, um, I mean, I, for me, I'm yeah, I'm certainly you know now that they've won two road games, leaning more towards nine and three. But I mean, none of that really matters right now. I had them at eight and four, and I guess just in terms of the games that were won and the game that was lost, not much has changed because I actually thought they were going to start six and zero. Oh. So, yeah, you did have the. It was a more of a collapse. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I they look like a team that's not going to collapse, but yeah. I don't know if they look like a team that's going to win nine or ten games either. Just based on the, I mean, based on the style of performances, I would tend to say yes. But based on the upcoming opponents, who the hell knows? I mean, they've got they actually have some real good quarterbacks coming on the schedule or in the last back half of the season. I mean, and even like, okay, NC State is, is good. We thought they'd be good. Wake Forest is 4-0. Like, you should beat Wake Forest. But like, they seem capable of being more than a pushover at this point. Wake would probably be more of an Na- issue instead of Miami, Ohio this week. Navy's undefeated. Um, Stanford is still mucking around a little bit, but their offense looks amazing. Um, even though, like, well, they don't have did, great quarterback it did, Yeah, play. it did Saturday. Um, but... So, I... I mean, USC looks worse. I I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's really difficult to say. I, you know, they're. I mean, here's something to consider. We talk about you know, will they be able to carry this through October and in November? They're four games into the season, and their front line players are all healthy. You know, I mean, they have they haven't they haven't suffered anything. Again, that's another uh, yet another sign that the strength and conditioning is on 
a real high note now. I mean, as hot and humid as it was on Saturday to see their their linemen, their offensive linemen, still playing as hard as they were in the fourth quarter, they're 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 stronger and and better conditioned. So that you know will impact uh, how they're able to handle their last at eight games. But it's going pretty well so far. So eight games, four peers. To be fair, just relative peers. Let's not split hairs. USC, NC State, Miami, and Stanford. Three teams you're better than. North Carolina, Navy, and Wake. North Carolina has the hiccup of being on the road, but it's you're better than North Carolina. They stink. Yeah, it's just so there. You're better than those three. Uh, you know what? You know and what? They say about yeah. teams that lose their fourth game of the season at home to Duke, right? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Universally, they do stink. So you're Not saying good. there's no way North Carolina can beat Notre Dame? Is that what you're saying? I'm getting close to that. Yeah. And then Miami, Ohio is another one. If you lose, then we just have to erase this entire podcast. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so that's where you break it down, right? You know, it's you- interesting. Somebody hit me up on Twitter before the Michigan State game and said, "Are you still predicting that? Uh, did you see that yeah. that the Miami Ohio game will be closer than the the Michigan State game?" I mean, uh, you know, now, I mean, 30, 20, 38, 10, or the point spreads up to 23. I, I, there's, 20, it's it's possible that Notre Dame could win by less against uh, Miami, Ohio. I mean, you've said that they were going to blow out terrible Michigan State all summer. So, I, uh, w- I, I, w- <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> no, I, I backed away from that. But At the worst time. All right, our next question. Yeah. These are it's a combination Twitter question. One, we sort of talked about Deke Barron, and he wants to know, have, has anything that's happened this season changed your expectations for the season from where you were in August? But uh, to sort of put a different twist on that, Rich Mars, I want to know, based on Georgia's success over the last couple of weeks, does that change your opinion about Notre Dame? I thought Georgia was good when I watched them. They, they passed the eye test for me because I think they have a great college defense right now, and I figured their offense would get better, and they can run the ball, and a coach that values running and defense. Those linebackers are outstanding linebackers so I don't think till you see Georgia running into Alabama I would think Georgia's got a good chance yeah, and to I beat think, everybody but. yeah I think Jake Fromm will continue to get better I think we've it's already to, yeah. seen some evidence of that plus you know in addition to the defense which is ridiculous you have that running game that you can still yeah. rely on so um yeah I mean Georgia Georgia's good we knew Georgia was good we thought maybe with a first-time starter quarterback that would be you know enough to get Notre Dame over the hump but they'll continue to get better too yes I, yeah I mean I think Georgia's Probably better than what I thought they were going to be. I mean, I, I didn't think they were going to tear apart Mississippi State thirty-one yeah. three. But that's college football. Mississippi yeah. State coming off the huge win. You know, that's college LSU. football, and it got me in my pool that I restarted a pool I used to be in a long time. The seven and a half. I thought that's a lot for a team that yeah. <laughs> you know what it is. Coming off that win against LSU, they weren't prepared for that. Mississippi State. Where are the Dan Mullen posts, by the way, on the board this week? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I brought that up last week. Um, yeah, I mean, Jake from over the week, he was 9 of 12 for 201 yards and two scores. That's how you win with that a, is how you uh, win a freshman that, that's quarterback. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's even better than Brandon Wimbush's yeah. 20 pass attempts. All right, next question from Twitter is from Bobby Tinkow, and he wants to know, at what point will you feel confident that the defense is actually fixed? I, I think the there. defense is fixed. I don't. Uh, there's a question coming up about the safeties we'll get to because they haven't played a good quarterback yet. Um, as you mentioned, Lewerke will be a good quarterback, but they don't have a passing game right now, Michigan State, because um, their court receivers are young and their quarterback is learning, and they don't have a good passing game. Yeah. I think we won't see one. Gus Ragland's a pretty good quarterback, but that's not a that's unless no, it's cosmetically they, bad yards. No, they. they... We'll get into this on Thursday more, but I mean they've got some receivers. They've got a really good receiver. I can't think of his name right now, but um, yeah, I you know I, I mean I look at actually I look at this defense and say 
the linebackers aren't playing as well as I thought they would, and the defensive line is playing way better than I thought it would, and you worried about pass rushers, and Julian Okwara puts pressure or is disruptive in some way every snap of the football. The corners are what we hoped at the high end they would be. Would you say that? We like the corners quite a bit coming in because there's yes. three of them, and they've all, you know yeah. I mean? It's... Love, love is a little... But up he, and down. But he made that play. He but he made plays that play too. He makes plays. He's got a touchdown every game, which is the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's yeah. a little bit up and down. I think once he, once you've achieved coverage on a receiver, that's yeah. when you can turn around. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, but in the end uh, zone when the ball might be there. You know, the D line is is better than I anticipated. Yes. I think Jonathan Bonner, Bonner better keep working on getting off blocks because MTA is going to take some of those snaps away from him. Although he still has room to grow there too. Uh, Jerry Tillery. A much better football player than I thought. He's still not a huge playmaker, but he's a you know he's a nose tackle, so you're not going to make make a whole bunch. Dalen Hayes, the fumble that he recovered on the fumble caused by Martini, he was on the ground on the other side, got up and came over and made the fumble recovery. I I don't think the line, but I don't think Niles Morgan is playing great football. Yeah, uh, Coney was caught off guard by that quarterback sneak, turned into a 52 yard run. Uh, and Martini's a little bit up and down. I, I'm a little surprised that the linebackers aren't more consistent. Um, the safety play Tranquil's has been good. Tranquil's yeah. a disruptor, absolutely a really, really good football, a really good instinctive football player. Knows the game plan, so that puts him in a position to make plays or be disruptive. <laughs> That's where our Notre defense knows the game plan as a last compliment year. based on last year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're still, yeah, we're He's still in that. You're with down and distance. You're still. <laughs> That's my favorite. Kelly you guys laugh. I'm like, what are you laughing about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, it's it's we're still in that mode. I'm not sure that we'll get completely past that mode until it's, it's too fun to be in yeah. it. <laughs> Pete and I will never get past a few years ago with Andrew Hendricks. He's no, I think once I think, I think once we get into maybe November and certainly by postseason because Notre Dame is going to be in postseason play this year. We we may we may be beyond that. I'm always revisiting history though, so it may take me a little while longer. Yeah, I'd, I mean overall defensively just the four game totals they're def- they are allowing 15 points fewer. More than one yard, or more than a yard per play less. Yeah. And instead of giving up ten rushing touchdowns in four games, they've given up one. Um, I think it's be- it's better. And I, I was having a conversation with, with somebody that I respect last week about the defense. Like, they could get worked pretty good by USC. I think they have enough in the bank at this point where I just be like, well, that's what happens when you run into an NFL-style quarterback. Not that USC's been great on offense, but I'm just saying that if Sam Darnold came in and passed for 315 yards, like real yards, not like yeah, low-worky fourth-quarter yards, yeah. I wouldn't sit there and be like, Notre Dame's defense, it's all been a mirage. They've actually been good. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of credibility in the bank. Well, right it's now. it's not a barrage. I mean, we see it in a uh, hundred different ways how it's better. They're, they're, I mean, they're not a great yes. run defense per se. Devil's but... advocate would be, we've seen this before to start a year for five games. They gave up. I mean, they played poor defense, poor offenses, Van Gorder. When he gave up 60 points in the first five games total. Right. Um, Stanford was the best yeah, team. Yeah, you, you, you do have to throw out there it, as a, that is a It a is a caveat, thing. But... It's a thing. I, I don't. I, but I, I think, think the difference is the the difference is the depth the de- the way the depth has been built the first month of the season that you can you can go to other guys we thought you know we were surprised against Georgia when they were bringing a backup so they're certainly not going to do that I mean I you know I'm not I'm not positive uh, how much depth 
Mike Elko created at Wake Forest because I don't know how easy it is to create depth, but he certainly created it so far, and that's going to serve him well. They have played more guys than I thought. That's been a, a, a bit of a surprise for me. But, um, I mean, they go over all the defenses. Playing really well. They have been healthy, and they play a lot of guys. So they've got some actual legitimate depth. They're, they are holding opponents under four yards per carry, which if over a course of the season, yes, that's the way sense. it is. It'll be the first time since 2012. And they don't have that 2012 D-line talent, of course, but you make it up in other ways. All right, next up, Turk 83 building on our defensive questions. With the safety position was a concern at the start of the season. Do you feel they have improved or is there still a bit of a concern? I think there's still the concern with Elliot stud still pairing. Elliot continues to start. I think he's <clears> physical. <throat> I think he misses some run fits. Stud still played really well, I thought, against Boston College. He didn't get as many snaps, I don't think, this week. Um, so there's, I mean, there's still a concern there. Nick Coleman continues to play well and play hard, look, play play hard and look solid. There was a, he could have given up. A TD pass there that was really was that no was, I think he got a hand in yeah. there and just he may have been he could have been called for interference is what it was but uh, I mean it's better I don't know that it, I mean what what defensive coach says okay we've arrived at that position we don't have to worry it anymore if you have if you have all Americans yeah I guess you can say that but um, it still hasn't really been tested Lewerke was the best quarterback they faced. I, I need to watch Raglan this week. He's a little bit of an undersized quarterback. I don't know that he offers everything that the work he does. But, There's better uh, quarterbacks coming, one, and, including and, and, one of the best. So Yeah, no doubt about it. That'll be the biggest test for the safeties is communicating when you have <laughs> real athletes with a real quarterback can deliver it. But if have they been better? Of course they've been a lot better than we thought. I was, we thought they were by far the worst position group, and you just wouldn't look at that group and say worst for any realistic reason. I don't know what the worst position group is, but I'm saying you wouldn't just, you wouldn't just jump on it anymore where it was clearly the worst when we were coming out of camp. No, I think if it's possible to hide an entire position, Mike Elko's done a pretty good job of calling defenses yeah. to, to hide the safeties, or at least not that not ask them to cover in a way that maybe right. they have in the past. Because I think in the first three games, I counted like only 16 passes that clearly like a safety was targeted. I mean, that it's a real nebulous stat because it's kind of a judgment thing. But we trust compared to the corners, like the corners are asked to like, pick up guys one-on-one, man coverage, just you know, go out in there and play. And the safeties are more in a supporting role, which is just like that's a better way to use them. As it relates to is this de- defense for real, you know, I, as long as their frontline players are healthy, I don't see a significant drop-off. Somebody like USC, as you say, Pete, I mean, you know, Darnold, who doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him and who doesn't have a great deal of chemistry with his wideouts like maybe we normally expect. Uh, but they, they as long as the front-line players are on the field for Notre Dame defensively, I think they'll continue to get better. Next up, NJ Lepp. Given how well Notre Dame played on Saturday, can we slash you guys in the media stop talking about last year's disaster? It's time to move on. Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's, you, you have to have a point of reference. And they also talk about it all the time. You cannot ask a captain on this team one thing without him saying that's the difference from last year. Drew Tranquil talks about last year every time he has a conversation. Ryan Kelly references it when it's ultimately convenient because it's relevant. I agree with the I agree the question should be asked because I was one of the things I was going to write about for the Michigan State game was this has turned the page. 
but it had to turn the page from something that existed. You know, it's it, it did exist. We don't need to compare them to last year's defense and last year's offense anymore. I, I agree that that was just, they're different. They're a different offense, they're a different defense. But the culture, if the number one thing about this team is the culture, why is it the number one thing about this team? It's because it had to change. So, yeah. It could be harped on a lot less, but I guarantee you it's brought up again by players and if we talk to more well, than one coach, the coach. And, it, I mean, as it relates to the TV guys, every time there's a new broadcast group, yeah. they're going to they're gonna dissect it's, the psyche of Brian Kelly. It's it's inevitable, but uh, I'm, not sure we're, I'm not sure how many more different uh, teams we're going to see in the broadcast. I enjoyed Pete's story about Brian Kelly post-game. Would you have written that if Brian Kelly did that all the time and did it last year? No. And the team loved him. Well, that's why it's relevant. There is relevance to it. It's, I mean, it's part of it. Yeah, it, it, it it's be, narrative. If, if they're different. They have yeah. to be different from something. <laughs> they're different from last year. And I, I would think, like, if they keep winning, especially if they beat USC, I think the players and the coaches will bring up last year and be like, "Hey, look how much we've improved." <laughs> and the media will be like, "Would you stop talking about last year? <laughs> God, it's 2017." You know, it's. I, we we talk about this every day of our lives, basically. So it's kind of hard not to somewhere along the line make some comparisons. But I, the point's taken. I you know yeah we yeah. all we all need to we all need to turn the page. But you know Notre Dame hasn't. I mean they're still three and one. They lost a couple weeks ago. Right. You know they they the, the narrative on last year is not finished because they're only four games through this season. I will say we can start talking about how Notre Dame can improve from week one and week two yeah. this year compared. Well, to I think that's what year. I mean. Saturday that was that was right. that was significant. Irish Bob, how would you assess the special teams play so far? Fine. I mean, I and I would say that one of the things that I, I've been most wrong about this season was like my hunch that Justin Yu was going to have an off year. He's been really good. I know they missed two against Temple, but been standing ever since. I thought uh, the punt coverage would be a lot better just because Newsom would be older and they would put better guys to yeah. actually make the tackles. That's happened. Um, they can cover yeah, kicks better. Been fine. They can yeah. cover kicks better. They're 111th. I know that's their rankings don't really matter, but every game like kick returns are they could cover. They're 111th covering yeah. kicks. That's you know your your small sample size. That's surprising, but every game there has been too long of a kick return. Does that is that the way to say it? Also, don't kick it out of bounds. No, yeah, that hurts. That well, that that is an issue if you're gonna kick it out of bounds. But I feel like. That would be the only place. People are right now are going to say punt return because they're like last in the country at 0.2 yards of return. That sample size, Notre Dame could block better on that, but here's some of the teams that are near them in that realm. And this would be nice to get five yards of return, but explosive teams like Oklahoma, people think they're 5.6. Georgia's 4.5. Wisconsin's 4.0. Oregon is 5.4. Washington's 35 yards of return. I think that might come down. <laughs> Number two in the country is Indiana in punt returns. It's not that important. You can change. It's you, a small amount of yardage. You can win games separating with good punt return days, but yeah. the way the punts are now, you have to be able to fair catch them because people are all over you. I That's think it's just the way it is. I, Nord, I, I don't know if I mentioned it. I probably did. I mean, Nordheim's kick returns were, I thought, at the at their best um, this past week in in a couple instances. It's unfortunate that you have a leg like Tyler Newsom and you brought in a freshman kicker like Jonathan Dorr and you can't use either one of them on kickoffs, you know. I mean, Newsom should be able to kick the ball like the BC kickoff man did for kickoffs. And and I, I apparently they can't. I don't know that Tyler Newsom's ever going to be a consistent football player, whether it's punting or 
kicking off. I'm not sure that his personality lends itself to extreme consistency on the football field. Um, so, you know, Yoon tries to drill one and tuck it into the corner and hooks it a little bit and it goes out of bounds. It, are we really... Are we stressing over yeah, something that's to, really pretty minor at this point? To put a bow on it, if just in case it comes up later on, they've allowed at least 30 yards on a kick return in every game. Um, they, yeah, but those aren't, those aren't going to kill you. They aren't. The punt return has been good, except Georgia got a 28-yarder. That did hurt because it was in a game against Georgia. Notre Dame has not had that's a longer return. That's because he outkicked his coverage, and, right? Notre Dame has not had a longer return than four yards in the punt return game. You could do better than that. Let's be honest. Sure. You could block better. You could block better than that. It's not Fink. I mean, yeah. he has no and time. Was, well, Kelly um, talked about replacing a gun. Yeah, I don't, I mean, that, I'm not yeah. sure if he actually did or not. Yeah, and I don't know who. Did you ask the question about that? About I did. Punt, somebody asked about punt returns, and uh, but in reference no. to like Sit Fink bringing Sanders, and, I, and Kelly was like, "No, the, it has nothing to do with Fink." But, but the Gunners blockers need to be a lot better. As long as Fink catches it every time, which he has up to this point, that's You'd more like to see a couple any, plays. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he could be a little bit more elusive and not get knocked off his feet quite as easily. But, yeah, he really hasn't had much room to maneuver. All right, last question, Statman72. I realize a lot can happen between now and when the games are played, but as we sit here today, would you pick Notre Dame to beat USC or Stanford? Well, I picked them to beat USC, so I guess I would pick them to beat USC again. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to stick. You don't stick to your preseason pick every time, do you? No, but it's not out of their own possibility that I think a good Notre Dame team could beat USC since I thought a team I didn't know about could beat USC. Right, so right. I, I, don't, I didn't right. buy USC no, as you'll, top five. No, you'll, pro- you'll likely stick with that. Yeah, things... I, I didn't buy USC as top five. I'm not saying Notre better than USC. It's just that's not Alabama-Clemson. I, did, I, I, I don't did look not. at them at all and think Notre Dame can't beat them at home. They were in the top five because of Sam Darnold. Right. And, and I don't think and anybody the, and really... And the Rose Bowl last year. It literally, yes. the reason they're on the top yeah. five. I mean, I'm not saying USC's not good. No, I'm of saying not. that they haven't clicked up to this point. They're just not that level. They're not at a level where I think Notre Dame. I never once thought they're at a level Notre Dame can't get to. Even if Notre Dame was going to be an 8-4 and four team, they could have snuck a win against USC. So I think they have a better chance of beating USC at home than they do Stanford on the road in two months when more attrition can happen. I'm I'm not so sure about that. I, I think based on everything I've seen, I'm more inclined to pick them to beat Stanford than USC. Um They've won a couple games on the road. They're going to win a third game on the road in a couple weeks. Then a fourth and a fifth. We're good. Man, it's better be home. It's fine. <laughs> Perfect road record. Who would have predicted that? Um, I think USC, from a matchup perspective, is just a, a bad matchup for Notre Dame because they haven't faced a quarterback that is close to capable as yeah. Sam Darnold. I, again, I realize he hasn't got off to this amazing start, but that's going to happen at some point. Could happen a month from now, which is when that game's played. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just look at that matchup and think, okay, Notre Dame safeties, as much as they've sort of been hidden and protected and played well, that might be a game where they yeah, don't. I, no, I agree with that. I, I think, but look, in August we heard about how USC's offense was struggling and they couldn't move the football and the lack of chemistry between Darnold and his receivers. And I think that that has kind of continued to play out a little bit. I agree with you though, Pete. I mean that. That'll be the first real stern test. And, you know, Raglan, I mean, he's certainly the most experienced quarterback they faced up to this point this this Saturday. And then Darnold takes it to a level that's way beyond anything Notre Dame will have seen up to that point. I mean, this is this is how poor Sam Darnold has been. He's completing 67% of his passes, and he's ranked 17th nationally. Yeah, but it's, a, it's the picks, right? He's got six, seven. seven. Nine scores, seven picks. Would you agree they're beatable team? I don't think that's all him, man. No. They're a beatable team, though. 
Because they are not they, Clemson and Alabama. No, they I mean, are they're yeah. beatable. Texas too. had them. Yeah, at USC. It's, yeah, they're it's quite a, they're quite yeah. beatable. Um, but I guess Stanford's beatable. We too. are we getting, but I, but, but obviously again, we spend so much time projecting about something so far away with so much that can happen physically between now and then our evaluation could be completely different three when, when it's time to play the game, which is the only time the evalu- evaluation really matters. That was the main reason I thought USC would be a little easier. <laughs> and than even then it might not yeah. matter. <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, there's two games that a buy before USC and there's a, a season to play before Stanford is the way I was looking at it. There's, yeah, Two games yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, I you know, I don't want to throw water onto this fire here, but I, I just it. So when they're it, ten it, and one, it's, what it's, are you saying about the Stanford game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's speculation with so many variables that are going to change between now and then. I don't really care about that right now. None so of I, us picked them to beat Stanford, right? In the preseason, uh, you no. yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't really have thought about even picking them to beat Stanford either. Never really no, crossed my mind. I mean, what we've seen up to this point, certainly they can beat Stanford. That's the question. Yeah, I just That's like that. You know, I mentioned Sam Darnold's 17th at passing efficiency. Ryan Finley for NC State is number 18 with eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. Well, those are the so two best quarterbacks. Those is, are the two best quarterbacks on the schedule. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. So that uh, I think you could add that into the USC because I don't. Did you? I picked them to lose to North Carolina State. Yeah. I don't know if you guys did, but I think that's that's, a, that's even, a tricky one. Yeah, and USC NC State back to back. Yep, is really tricky. Really yep. tricky, especially if you beat USC. Then yeah, it, you know. Also, if you lose to them, it could be. Oh, tricky. Yeah, then yeah. too, then too, then too. Certainly, those are. You know, NC State's a very talented football team, and USC's never too shy on talent. All right, well, that's it for today's Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. We'll be back Thursday to preview Miami, Ohio, talk a little bit, maybe our share our favorite Chuck Martin memories. Uh, they're not quite at the level of our Bob Diaco memories, but still worth something talking about. So until Thursday, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening.